Don't call it a comeback. That's right. The Chief of the North is back. Let's talk some Chiefs, guys. Welcome to the Chief of the North podcast, the land of 10,000 takes. I am your host, Seth Kaiser, no longer Minnesota Chiefs fan. Actually, I'm forever going to be Minnesota Chiefs fan. But I'm mostly just going by my real name now because... You know, I'm all corporate and sold out and that kind of stuff. And we're going to talk about that shortly. But I'm just excited to be back talking Chiefs with you guys. It is, as always, a good week to be a Chiefs fan. In fact, it's a great week to be a Chiefs fan. Up here in Minnesota, the sun is shining, birds are singing, the snow melted like three minutes ago or so, and life is good. I'm excited to talk Chiefs with you guys. It's been way too long. I apologize for the delay. Life got in the way. I, uh, I I can't guarantee that it's going to be a weekly podcast from here on out for reasons that I'll get into shortly, but I can tell you that I'm going to do my best to never have it be like three weeks or a month again before I reach out to you fine folk. And just to not bury the lead at all or anything like that, yes, I plan on continuing the Chief of the North podcast. This is one of my very, very favorite things. I, I can't imagine a life in which I'm not talking Chiefs with all you fine folk. And so all of you who have asked me, oh, let this be your answer, yes, the Chief of the North podcast will continue. And yes, I'm hoping on recording with some kind of frequency. It just depends on how often I'm able to find someone to help me with sound editing. Because as you all know, I am computer illiterate. So anyway, I've got a lot of things I want to talk about today. Well, actually just a couple of really specific, important things. I want to talk about the new series I'm doing called Patrick Mahomes Behind the, Beyond the Arm. I'm really excited about it. Um, the first article has already dropped, and it's one of, my, one of the favorite articles of mine to ever write. I, I hate saying it's like my favorite article I've ever written because that sounds like, oh, I just enjoy my own article so much. I'm saying it, it, it's the one that I enjoyed writing more than almost any other article that I that I've written and that that is actually up and ready there on the athletic which that's another thing that I'm obviously going to talk to you fine folk about is there's been kind of a major change in uh in in my life and I want to talk to you guys about that a little bit in more detail than I've been able to but first let's talk about Patrick Mahomes cuz come on you don't listen to this to talk about to hear about me you listen to this to hear about the Chiefs and first things first we're talking Patrick Mahomes. So I'm starting a new series called Beyond the Arm. And this is about Patrick Mahomes. And so here's the deal. Oh, before I even get into it. And yes, we're going to have a mailbag, guys. Whoa. I'm sorry I didn't clarify that. So anyway, when people talk about Patrick Mahomes, they tend to focus on one thing and almost one thing only. And that's the fact that he has a, a, a cannon attached to his shoulder. He has a rifle for an arm. He has, I mean, it's almost, a rifle doesn't do it justice. It's a bazooka. We've all seen him falling sideways, throw the ball 45 yards in the air, 50 yards in the air. It's absurd. You know, he throws the ball 75 yards from his knees or whatever it is, you know, 80 yards standing on his head. He's got a cannon. He can zip the ball in where guys, most guys can't. He can throw the ball farther, faster, all this stuff, right? Here's the one problem with that. Now, this isn't a problem for him. It's a problem for the type of coverage that he receives. When you've got a quarterback who has that huge an arm, 
That tends to be the focus of any analysis about him. So when you hear people talk about Patrick Mahomes, all you hear about are frozen ropes and throwing from any platform and laser rocket arms and deep balls and all this stuff, right? It's always focused on what a gunslinger he must be and all this stuff, all the Brett Favre comparisons, that kind of stuff, to where he's just this guy who just chucks the ball. Now, to be fair, if his ceiling's Brett Favre, (laughs) good enough. But here's the problem. Patrick Mahomes possesses a variety of strengths, at least based on the limited tape that we have. When I'm talking, when you look at college, when you look at last preseason, you look at his lone regular season start, you can see strengths that he possesses that go well beyond the arm. Get it? Beyond the arm? See, I know, I know. Very cleverly titled series. You see things that he can do that, in my opinion, are more important to success at the NFL level than having a big arm. And that's what the Beyond the Arm series is about. Because I've said this before, arm strength isn't even in my top three or four for quarterback traits to succeed. I compare it to track speed in an NFL running back, like elite speed. What made Jamal Charles great wasn't that elite top speed. What made him great was his vision, his bounce, his burst, his ability to just glide by guys, his wiggle, all this stuff. That was more important than that top speed. And so I compare that to arm strength. It's, it's a great thing to have, much like breakaway speed for a running back. It's a great trait to have, and it can help raise the ceiling of a player. But it is not required for a great player. There are some other things about quarterbacks that are required for a great player. And two of those things, two of the most important things, I wrote about this week on The Athletic, or last week, actually, I should say. And this one is called uh, you know, it's, you know, Beyond the Arm. Patrick Mahomes' strong eye level and pocket presence could be the real key to his success. That's what the article is called. And that's the, those are the two things I was focusing on, eye level and pocket presence. Now, if you've if you're been listening for a while when I, with my war on box score, analysis, which will be continuing, by the way, soon, you know I've talked about pocket presence before, and I've talked about eye level, and the two are are linked, and so you can't really talk about them one at a time. You have to talk about them together. What is eye level? It's the ability to watch the routes and watch the coverage while a quarterback sits in the pocket as opposed to watching the pass rush eye level right your eyes are either down and you're looking at the offensive line and the pass rushers or your eyes are up and you are looking at the coverage and your routes that's eye level and it's wildly important to any quarterback's game if you want to avoid being a guy with bad pocket presence that's the second trait there pocket presence is that 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 innate ability to move around the pocket where pass rushers have a harder time getting to you. It doesn't necessarily move, mean moving away from pass rushers, okay? And this is an important thing. Pocket presence is as much about where you don't go as it is about where you do go. If you just move away from a rusher, but then you change the angle of his blocker, follow me here, and I, I provide I provided a video clip to show evidence of this uh, in, in the article. If you've got a, a left tackle who's being blocked, or who's blocking an, an edge rusher, and you start drifting to the left, what you're doing is you're changing the angle of that block. You're moving off the spot that the left tackle has been told to block for, meaning that the edge rusher, he'll see where you're going. The tackle can't see where you're going because his back is to you and he's engaged in blocking. The edge rusher will see where you're going and he will no longer have a pass blocker between you and him. So he can disengage and without holding, there's nothing your tackle can do. That's 
pocket presence, the ability to innately help your offensive line stay between you and the pass rushers. And those are two wildly important. I would say this, these two things, eye level and pocket presence, these are two of the most rare traits, especially when you combine them, because there are some quarterbacks that have good eye level, but not great pocket presence. And there are some that have, uh, there are very few that have good pocket presence, but not good eye level, but you see that sometimes too. Um, you know, like Russell Wilson is a great example of a guy who his pocket presence seems really great, but his eye level drops more often than it should. Um, the 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 flip side of that might be a guy like uh, Case Keenum, whose eye level is great, but his pocket presence isn't so great. So while the two are linked, they don't always go hand in hand. And but the best quarterbacks have both. And this is where you know when you watch Tom Brady or you watch Ben Roethlisberger, or you watch Aaron Rodgers, it seems like it takes pass rushes forever to bring them down. And the reason is because they are without dropping their eye level, mind you. They are able to just move around the pocket to the right spots and make it tough to bring down, all the while searching for receivers. And what I wrote about here is is how Patrick Mahomes has demonstrated this basically the entire time I've watched him. That's what made me fall in love with him as a prospect, not the cannon. What made me fall in love with him as a prospect was his pocket presence and eye level. The fact of the matter is, if you go back and you watch his snaps, he very rarely drops his eyes. He is always watching his receivers down the field. He is almost never looking at pass rushers. If he gets one right in his face, uh, let's say, for example, everyone remembers the... uh, the, the the play in week 17 last year where the Broncos had an unblocked blitzer up the middle. You remember this? Uh, Mahomes sidestepped him, and then the, the, the blitzer wrapped his arms around his legs, and Mahomes was able to kind of shake him off and still have the arm strength, despite that kind of platform, to fire a strike to Albert Wilson. Everyone talked about, wow, he's got a strong lower body. He's got a great arm. Look at that. And they missed the fact that even As he was sidestepping the defender, Mahomes already wasn't looking at him anymore. His eyes were up. He had the defender hanging on his legs, and his eyes were still up. And if his eyes hadn't been up, he wouldn't have found Albert Wilson. It's a similar thing when, you know, that incredible throw that he made on the game-winning drive... It is a great throw, unbelievable throw between three defenders, you know, falling sideways, but his eyes were up while he drifted and then ran away from Von Miller. Those things are so much more important than arm strength. And this is my entire point to this. If you go back and you watch him in college, he had this trait too. And you know, people say, oh, it's just college. Pass rush is pass rush. If you watch quarterbacks in college with regards to pocket presence and eye level, that is something that you, you either often have or you don't, even from the time you're in college. There are very, very, very few quarterbacks who have bad pocket presence and eye level that become good with pocket presence and eye level. Now, you might see uh, you might see microscopic improvements or even a little bit more than that. Alex Smith was better with that in 2017 than he was in 2016. However, he still had a lot of games where it wasn't particularly good. He ran the offense very well because he knew where he was going immediately. He wasn't required to move around the pocket a ton. He wasn't required to keep his eyes downfield too often because he knew where he was going with the ball. This is, in my opinion, the number one thing. And that's just, this is why I started off with it. Pocket presence and eye level. When people ask me how I think Patrick Mahomes is going to do this year, my answer is pretty consistently, 
I think he's going to be as good as Alex was in 2017, only more consistent. So in other words, I'm saying I think he'll be better. And most people, oh, that's crazy, you know, just because he's got a big arm. It's not about the arm for me. What it's about for me is that I believe Mahomes has the mental makeup to execute the offense correctly when the offense is winning. And I've talked about this before. Now, I'm going to talk about Mahomes' mental makeup here in the Beyond the Arm series, maybe the next one or the one after that. I think he's got the mental makeup to run the offense correctly when it's winning. However, I think he also has the pocket presence and eye level to make things work, even when the offense doesn't win at the snap. Alex, unfortunately enough, was not able to consistently do that. And that's the difference between the two of them that I think you're going to see the primary upgrade in 2018. Not 2019, not 2020, in 2018. Now, does this mean I think Mahomes is going to be an elite quarterback next year? No, I don't. I would be, I would be pleasantly surprised. But I do think he'll be good right away. And pocket presence and eye level is a big reason. And so I, that's a series that I'm really excited to keep moving on. But that's something for you to watch for when you, when, you, when you watch quarterbacks. Don't just look at the result of the throw. How did that throw come to be? Did he? How does he move around the pocket? Is he just kind of randomly moving around in a way that makes his offensive line scramble? Or does he consistently seem to find ways to place blockers between him and the pass rushers? The great quarterbacks have great, great pocket presence. And that's what really separates your Drew Brees, your Aaron Rodgers, and your Tom Brady, and your Peyton Manning in his heyday. Yes, pre-snap reads, I mean, they were great. They're great with that kind of thing. Post-snap reads, they're great with that kind of thing, although post-snap reads require good pocket presence and good eye level, but I digress. But the the pocket presence and eye level, that's the, that's the biggest thing. Aaron Rodgers is canon. That's incredible. But that's not what makes him great. Now it, it it raises his ceiling, but what makes him great is the pocket le- is is the pocket presence and the eye level. Same with Tom Brady, same with Drew Brees. That's what puts those guys in a class above everyone else because almost every snap they've got great pocket presence and eye level. And the guys that do that consistently, those are the great quarterbacks. All right, so that's 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 my little thing about Patrick Mahomes. Keep an eye on for that series. I'm so excited about it. Um, I, I'm going to be writing about ball placement, you know, just for some spoilers here. I'll be writing about ball placement. That's wildly important, and it's different from just accuracy. I'm also going to be talking about speed of his release, uh, his ability to, to, to have the ball travel quickly, which is related to arm strength, but, you know, I'm going to cheat a little bit there. And then I also want to write about his mental makeup and a few other things with regards to him that go beyond the arm. Now, which brings us to my next uh, my next point. As I said, that's going to be published on The Athletic. And I've had a lot of people ask me a lot of questions. We've got our mailbag, and believe me, no matter when we do our commercial break here or anything like that, there's going to be a real long mailbag here, so you don't need to worry about that. Our second segment just might be a lot longer than the first. I've had a lot of you ask me about The Athletic. I've had a lot of you ask me about the move from Arrowhead Pride. So I'm going to give you a pretty unfiltered uh, discussion as to as to why I made the change. Um, and, and what my thoughts are on all that and where we're at moving forward, why I think it's worth your time and money to subscribe, um, you know, what that looks like cost wise, all that fun stuff, mostly because it's really important to me, especially this group, you people that listen to the chief of the North, you guys have been around for a while. You've been reading my stuff for a while. You've been really great. At, at interacting with me. And I want to make really clear where everything stands. So that way, 
I don't know. There's just no confusion or anything like that. Plus, I just love seeing – I have already see a lot of you over at The Athletic, and it's awesome. It's just been so much fun already. So what I'm going to do first, I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about the, the Athletic and the move for a little bit, and then we're going to get to the fun part. And we're going to talk some mailbag questions. So we're going to get to all that right after this. And then, of course, my signature drink of water. All right. Are you ready to hear me hydrate? Ah, that's good stuff. You know, actually, one of the mailbag questions that I had was whether I'm taking a drink of a drink of beer or if it's water. Uh, it's water. I'm 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 actually a Nazarene minister and we 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 don't do alcohol in the Nazarene church. We we'd rather just, you know, destroy our bodies with caffeine and food. Thank you very much. Anyway, so about the athletic. I, I just for full disclosure I've had a lot of people, even in mailbags, you ask me about it, you know, what uh what you know what what brought this about um, so here's, here's the deal. A couple weeks ago, the, the, one of the big wigs at the athletic approached me and asked if I'd be interested in writing for their site after some discussions, um, they were willing to, to treat me very, very well with regards to compensation. And let's be real. That's part of any job, um, for a long time. And this, again, this is just trying to walk you through my pro- thought process as much as possible for a long time, guys, I've treated this like a hobby that, that pays, um, and, and I love it. I really enjoy it. Um, at the same time, as this has grown and as this has become something kind of different than what I expected starting out, I've treated it more and more like a job. And, and my wife, Mrs. Minnesota Chiefs fan, she actually pointed that out to me when I got approached and I said, you know, I feel like I'm at a crossroads here. You know, is this still just a hobby that pays or do I want to maybe try to turn this into a job? Maybe one day turn it into a career. And she pointed out to me, and I'm not, this isn't like a humble brag or anything, this is just a fact, that with the amount of time and effort and energy that I put into it, I really have been treating it like a job for several years, not just a hobby that pays. And that kind of changed the analysis for me. And what I saw with The Athletic, with what they talked to me about, and with what they're doing, I saw an opportunity to jump into this as a job rather than just a hobby that pays. And I saw an opportunity to jump in with an organization that is hiring so many great writers. If, if you follow the sports media world closely, you've heard of The Athletic before now. They've been hiring away great... I mean, they hired away Rustin Dodd, who does such a great job covering the Royals. And you see, um, you know, if you just go through the list of, of guys that they've hired in the last year... They've just got it's, – it's just a murderer's row of great writers, and I really believe in what they're doing. When they approached me, you know, I, I looked at their site, and the first thing that it said is go beyond the box score, and I love that, right? And, you know, as I talked more and more with, 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 the, with the gentleman who, who hired me, we discussed, you know, what their plan is and what they're trying to do, and his, his big overall point with all of this – and I agree with him, is that sports coverage has turned into clickbait because of the fact that it's all click-based, you know, rep, click-based revenue. You need to get your banners. You need to get your ads. You need to get your sponsors. You need to do all this stuff. And because of that, you end up with a lot of fluff. And a lot of you I've talked with about this, whether it's in the comments at Arrowhead Pride or on Twitter, the idea that in a lot of the sports world, it's a lot of fluff. It's a lot of clickbait. And some people are okay with that, and that's perfectly fine. 
I personally, it drives me nuts, and it's always driven me nuts, the idea that when I was writing an article, I had to care about, you know, how to search engine optimize it to draw the most eyeballs, and it had nothing to do with the quality of what I was doing or the work that I put in. And for the, for the record, this is not a knock on Arrowhead Pride in any way, shape, or form. I love Arrowhead Pride. I love Joel. They are some of my very favorite people, but they work in that industry. That's the requisite. It's click-based. And so when you have click-based, you need click-bait. That's just, it, it's a requirement. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I love the idea of just trying to put out product that no one else does. I love the idea of just trying to only worry about, is this good? Will people be good with this? And, you know, will they be happy reading it? Is it something they can't get anywhere else? So that's the real reason I made the jump, um, was the idea of hopping on board with an organization that is really well known, and I can vouch for this now, for treating their people really, really well, which Arrowhead Pride treated me well too, so that's not a huge difference. But for me, I, I love the fact that they, they're known for treating people well, they're known for compensating people fairly, they're known for worrying only about the quality of the product and absolutely nothing else. And they're also on a, an effort here to eliminate ads, to eliminate clickbait, and to just provide good sports content. And I've been so impressed since I hopped on board with them. So that's that's the long and short of it. I hope that provides some insight to my thought process. I didn't leave because I was bothered by Arrowhead Pride or SB Nation. I love Arrowhead Pride, love SB Nation. Um, I, I have nothing against any anything that they're doing. It was just an opportunity that was too good to pass up. Actually, about six months ago, someone had uh, <clears throat> excuse me, someone had approached me about leaving and that kind of stuff, and I had said, no, I'm comfortable where I'm at. And they asked me, well, what would it take for you to leave? And I said, well, I don't know. Maybe if, like, the athletic came calling or something, ha, 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 you know. And I thought it was a joke. This is an opportunity for me to to really try something different here. And my hope is, is that you guys will give it a chance and take a look at it and see that we really are providing stuff that, in my opinion, you can't get anywhere else. So that that's the spiel. That's the long and short of it. Um, and so, you know, if you if you decide to, to join on, great. I don't think you'll be sorry. I've talked to literally hundreds of you guys have just been so great and come on over to The Athletic and I haven't had one of you express any dissatisfaction with it. It's an incredible site with incredible coverage. Um, Nate Taylor, who if you don't follow him on Twitter, give him a follow. He He's the other guy covering the Chiefs right now. He's doing more beat reporting stuff, but he's doing it at a really in-depth level. And that's the whole point, and it is awesome. It's really good stuff. I read everything he puts out because it's so good. He just did a thing on Dwayne Bowe's new rap career. He did an in-depth piece on Khalil McKenzie that had stuff that I didn't see literally anywhere else. Same with Eric Berry's younger brother. I didn't see the stuff that he had anywhere else. And that's what we're supposed to be doing, right? Because if someone is going to pay for a service, it dang well better provide something that they can't get anywhere else. It's got to be unique content. And that's our goal is to provide unique content that you can't get anywhere else. So you're more than happy to pay the $3.50 a month or whatever it comes out to. That's the other thing. If you are interested, they do offer a free weekly trial. Check out my pinned tweet. Um... There's a, like a 33% off the first year discount for Chiefs fans. I'm telling you, I'm having a blast. I actually, it's an app that I actually use. It's hilarious. So that's the, uh, a long road to a short thought. 
which is just basically explaining why I moved. One more time, and I cannot emphasize this enough, it has nothing to do with being unhappy at Arrowhead Pride. I love Arrowhead Pride. I loved writing for Arrowhead Pride. And this was a wildly difficult decision. Unbelievably difficult. It was so, so tough. But it ultimately came down when my wife pointed out to me that I was already treating it like a job. And she asked, well, which place do you think... <coughs> Excuse me, goodness gracious. She asked me, which place do you think there's a future that might involve doing this full-time? That might involve this kind of achieving your dream? And I think, I think, and we'll see, I think the athletic is that. And it's an opportunity to be part of an organization that's doing some things that I really, really like. So that's it. It really, it was just too good an opportunity to pass up. If that makes me a sellout, well, I'm sorry, guys. But hopefully you still love me anyway. And if you've been listening to me ramble about it for this long, you must. So that's that. That's the long and short of it. That's what happened. Um I still think that anyone and everyone should read Arrowhead Pride and comment on Arrowhead Pride. It's a great community over there. The two aren't mutually exclusive, and I cannot say this enough. Arrowhead Pride and The Athletic are doing different things. And some of the stuff Arrowhead Pride is just great stuff. It's just different stuff from what we do. And you should read Arrowhead Pride every day. And you should read The Athletic every day. Because when you do that, you are going to get the best coverage of the Chiefs you're going to get better coverage that I think probably any fan of any team gets because of the comprehensive providing of coverage that we can all do. That was a really tortured sentence, but hopefully you know what I mean. I just want to make so clear that I just, I love the guys at Arrowhead Pride. This was just too good an opportunity to pass up. All right, I've rambled enough. It's time to take your mailbag questions. Um, and I, I took care of a lot of them by asking about the athletic, and uh, but so now let's uh, let's let's get on to the ones that were football related. Mike Davis asks, care to take a wild guess at a starting eleven defense for game one? Uh, I'm going to probably miss a few here, but if I was going to take a guess at guys, you're going to see seeing substantial playing time. I think uh, Chris Jones is obviously going to be starting. You you got your regular suspects. I think Xavier Williams is going to end up getting a starting nod. I think you're going to see Ford out there starting opposite of Justin Houston, but I think you're going to see Speaks getting a ton of playing time. Alan Bailey's going to be starting. I think that Watts takes the, the free safety spot. I really do. I have a lot of confidence in him despite the tackling issues. I think you're going to see oh, you're going to see O'Daniel take a lot of snaps too, but I do think Sorensen gets the starting nod. With regards to the corners, I think you're going to see uh, Fuller, and then Amerson, and then Nelson coming in on nickel sets. That's that's the starting lineup that I think you're going to see there. Obviously, Hitchens and Raglan are going to be starting at inside linebacker, and so I think I covered, generally speaking, the starting spots. Did we get to 11? I don't know. Chief in Indiana asks, just had a baby girl. What advice do you have to help her love the Chiefs? Also, general parenting advice is welcomed. Have her sit on your lap and watch highlights and go, Chiefs, Chiefs, go Chiefs. The simple stuff works the best. Kids are slave to repetition. Um... My kids started loving the Chiefs because it was just time spent with me and time getting excited with me about stuff. The same reason I started to love the Chiefs because it was time spent with my dad. And I've written about that before. And so just spend time with your spend time with your daughter and spend time with her while doing Chiefs stuff together. Have that be something that you guys do together. And that's and look, to give serious advice for a second, man, you gotta understand that watching those games now isn't just about you. It's about you and her. 
just like everything else as a parent. It's not just about you anymore. And if you make that about her, she will adopt it and she will love it. Um, general parenting advice, I guess the same thing. Just take time, man. Your life isn't about you anymore. Um, it, it's about your daughter. And that's maybe the toughest thing to do because for me, I sometimes I just want to do what I want to do. Take time for yourself occasionally, but just remember, man, all your kids really want is your time. They just want your time and your attention. And if you can give that to them, you're going to be fine. Just best advice I ever got on parenting. Just try. Just try. That's it. You're going to screw up a million times, but just try. Um, Let's see. uh, (laughs) Colin, Colin asks, hey, Seth, please keep doing podcasts. Hey, here we are, Colin. You're my fave of the Chiefs podcast, guys. Well, that's very kind of you because there's a million of us. Uh, mailbag question will Barry play more free safety or different roles since Dorian can cover tight ends I would be surprised if they change Barry's role significantly because he's so good at what he does um I would almost like for him to see a more defined role. What I would really like to see them do with the safety positions, I would love to see them have more defined roles rather than moving everyone around. Now, here's the thing. Sutton loves moving guys around, and there's a reason for that. Quarterbacks are taught to read defenses starting with the safeties. And if you don't know where guys are going to be lining up, that was one reason it was so great with like Hussein Abdullah and Ron Parker and Eric Berry or when they had Kirk Coleman or Tyvon Branch, is they could line guys up everywhere, and it makes it take just an extra second for quarterbacks to figure it out and seconds matter in the NFL and so they there's a reason why they like moving guys around however a lot of teams have fairly defined safety roles and I would like to see the Chiefs do that I would love to see Barry and Watts as the starters with Watts playing more, a much more of a free safety role because that is not a guy he, he can make splash plays at the line of scrimmage but because he has issues wrapping up it makes things difficult. That doesn't mean he's like a, a liability in run defense. He can be because he misses tackles, but he also makes some great plays. He had like 10 tackles for loss last season. And so I'd like to see Watts more in a free safety role. I'd like to see Barry more in a, almost a more traditional strong safety role. Um, but they, they could rotate them enough because Watts does have the skill set to come up when he's asked to do specific things. And then as their third safety, I'd like to see I'd like to see Dorian O'Daniel come in. I don't like O'Daniel in man coverage too much. He moves very well forward. He moves well laterally. His back pedal is not good. And so I would like to see him more in zone coverage. And um, when he does cover, I would prefer it be like running backs out of the backfield to where he's mostly moving laterally and forward. There are some tight ends that I think would take advantage of him in coverage. However, um, like most players, he's got room to grow, and he definitely has the athleticism to cover tight ends. So, no, I don't want Barry necessarily in more free safety just because he changes so much in a robber role and a strong safety role or as a box safety. I would like to see Watts play the free safety role. Um, uh, Gibby asks, I'm not familiar with your gig, but I'm curious if they have media connections to organization players you'll be able to tap into. Also, what's your prediction for most surprising impact player for 2018 outside of Mahomes? Um, the answer to the first one is I am, and I'll keep you guys updated on this. I am looking into getting media credentials. Um, and if that happens, I'm planning on being in Kansas City a little more often, maybe trying to do a few more player interviews, that kind of thing. I'm really excited to provide that kind of content because it would be tape focused kind of like uh you know what what happened on this play at least the extent that they can talk about it so to keep your keep your eye out for that that could be very exciting um my prediction for the most surprising impact player in 2018 
I want to so – man, there's a lot of guys. I think what you're going to see – I'm going to say Chris Jones, which a lot of people are expecting Chris Jones to be good, but a lot of people feel like he regressed last year too. I think with a more attacking defense, which I think they're going to move to, I think you're going to see Chris Jones do some crazy stuff. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, Josh Webb asks, if you had to place blame on one of the following for the 2013 Colts playoff collapse, who or what would it be? Andy Reid, Bob Sutton, Alex Smith, or bad luck injuries, which was inspired by Gary McKenzie, um, a, a contributor at the at Arrowhead Pride. The 13 Colts playoff collapse, it's not on Alex Smith and it's not on Andy Reid. I'd have it be a combination of, of Sutton and bad luck and injuries. Um, the, the combination of them all, it was just too much. When Flowers went down, it really changed what the defense was doing there. Um, Blake Staley asks, top five Chiefs all time in order. Oh, goodness. Um, his is Tony G, Derek Thomas, Will Shields, Jamal Charles, Len Dawson at number five. Oh, man, I am just going to get killed if I don't do this right. And so I, I don't tend to – I'm just going to say my favorite Chiefs of all time. Um, my favorite chief of all time was Jamal Charles. And that hasn't changed despite whatever else happened. Um, I would also say another one of my two or three favorite chiefs is Derek Johnson. It's been a tough couple of years for me, guys. Um, Willie Rofe is way up there for me as well. And now that he follows me on Twitter, although he's very Twitter friendly, he follows a lot of people. I might say I swooned a little bit. Um, you know, Tony Gonzalez, for whatever reason, he was such a great player, but I never really connected with him the way a lot of people did. Same with Derek Thomas. Um, a great player, all-time chief, but just wasn't one of my personal favorites at the time. No idea why. Priest Holmes was up there for me as well. But, I mean, really, for me, ultimately, it was uh, because of the age and because of when I really started covering the Chiefs and really paying attention. Jamal Charles and DJ were my two all-time favorites. So, like I said, it's been a rough time for me. Uh, Travis Parks asks, do you see each of the Chiefs' first four draft picks as being significant contributors this year, and which one will be the most? It would be so unusual for four guys to all be contributors, but I think they've got a shot. They pick some talented guys. I think the, the, the biggest contributor, if I were to just guess... I think it's I think it's going to end up being Watts. Now we'll see. You know, you just never know how guys are going to project into the NFL. I'm not sure they've got a specific role carved out for O'Daniel. Otherwise, I'd pick him. Nadi is a run stuffer, and I think he'll help a great deal. But I don't know if that's going to be quite as noticeable. And Speaks, I'm just not quite sure about yet. Which means with me making this prediction, that means Speaks will have like 15 uh, 15 sacks or something like that. Um, the KC Wolf asks, I've been watching Robert McCray play. What kind of role do you think he will play? Dude is fast and gets pressure almost every time he's on the field. Uh, he's developmental. I would be stunned if he did anything this next year. And so by this time next year, everyone will have forgotten about him. Uh, Zach Hartley asks, how do you become a Chiefs fan living where you did? Um, I talked about it a little bit, and I've, I've mentioned this before. I actually lived down in, uh, in, in Kansas City during the Montana Magic era. Uh, my dad was attending uh, Nazarene Theological Seminary at the time. He was working a ton, too. Uh, he, he was like doing like 90-hour weeks between work and seminary. 
And uh, he would only be home on the weekends because he actually had to stay in town. It was a whole deal. And so he kind of adopted the Chiefs because, you know, this is before DirecTV. He's a really big Vikings fan. But, you know, he liked he liked the Chiefs. He, he liked Joe Montana. He liked Marcus Allen. He respected Marty and all that stuff. So he kind of adopted the Chiefs. And me and my older sister, of course, jumped right on board. And what it became about was honestly spending time with my dad. And uh, the, the, the Mile High magic, the, the comeback at Mile High, uh, where, where Montana, man, he hit Willie Davis in the right side of the end zone for, to complete one of the most epic comeback drives ever, that, that was it for me. That sealed it. Um, Darren Bloxham asks, do you think DJ will have an impact with the Raiders? I don't know. Um, you never bet against Derek Johnson. But he was about five steps slow last year. And it would be surprising to me. You know, he's saying, oh, my explosion's back. But he was saying he was healthy last year, too. So I don't think he'll have a major impact. No. Uh, Maximo says, we're seeing new new D and new O schemes this year. But how do you think they'll work together? I'm going to say I'm not sure we're going to see too much new on the offense. I do think we're going to see more of what we saw last year. More of a move to spread. More of a move to, to almost an air raid type offense. So you'll see some change, but not quite as much. I do think they'll work together well. I think they're going to try to have a, a run-and-gun offense and then have a very aggressive defense to go along with it. Because you, you don't play bend but don't break when you're not playing ball control on offense. Um, George Seidelman asks, uh, was there ever an incentive reason at all for D4 to pass his physical? You know, I don't even know how those physicals work, honestly. Um, you know, really did work out best for him that he didn't pass it, though. And so, no, not really, because it guaranteed his contract. Um, you know, I don't know what to expect from D Ford because uh, William Reagan followed up asking if D Ford is a real player. If just uh, Justin Houston wore the wrong jersey for a few games, you know, with Ford, it's tough to say. He's got that incredible first step. I don't want to count him out. The contract year can be a powerful thing, as Therese Paler always talked about. You know, contract years are almost uh, they're almost undefeated, and so. I just don't know. I think he'll end up having a pretty strong year, maybe strong enough to where some people, <coughs> pardon my cough, guys, they, he might have a strong enough year to where some people think that he should be extended. Uh, for me, really, no matter what he does, unless he somehow magically starts showing more bend around the edge, I think it's time to go. Uh, Omar Easy Foshizi asks, which chief do you identify with? The most, basically, which player is your spirit animal? You know, I have to say, when I see Chris Jones just having fun, I like that a lot. I'm kind of a clown. He's kind of a clown. I enjoy what Chris Jones does. Josh Miller asks, what kind of scheme do you envision for the Chiefs to have Speaks, Nadio, Daniel Smith, and Watts all on the field at the same time? Smith. Who am I missing with Smith. Well, I'm just going to move past that. Um, I don't think they need to make any scheme changes to have those guys on the field at the same time. It, uh, you know, They play such different areas on the field that I don't think that's going to be any kind of problem whatsoever. Um, Keith McLean asks, on a scale of 1 to Mahomes, how excited are you about Mahomes as the QB on offense this year? I am excited Mahomes times 10. This is going to be fun. Uh, Clint, and we've got a few more here. I'm trying to get to them all, guys, because you guys have just been so supportive. We're almost there. Um, he, he, uh, 
and there's actually a related question the one I just asked, but I'm going to close with that. Uh, Clint says, congratulations on your career progression. It was well deserved. Oh, that's very kind of you, Clint. Hey, I get it's kind of fun when I get to read compliments uh, for mailbag questions. Uh, Clint asks, do you see a realistic chance that the Chiefs make any largish player acquisitions between now and camp? It would surprise me at this point. For me, you know, Jonathan Hankins is just hanging out there, and he is a beast against the run, and he actually can help a little against the pass. I'd love to see them bulk up that front, but I don't think it'll happen. Uh, Seth, man, I always appreciate your name, Seth. What are the chances that we have three Williams for running backs alongside Hunt in the regular season? I would be surprised. Um, now, the guys that they picked up can play, but I would be really surprised if both West and Ware couldn't hack it. It's going to depend on a lot with health with Ware. I really hope he comes back healthy. Um, Nick Volanek asks, any chance we get Junior Gallette at this point, or is it all hope dead? There's, I would be stunned at this point. I don't know if any team's going to pick him up. And I, I don't mean anything negative towards him by that, but it doesn't seem like people are really that interested. And he's made it really clear he's not interested in accepting less playing time than what he thinks he deserves. And I just think it's one of those situations where someone misread the market, whether it was his agent or whether it was him. And there just doesn't seem to be a market for him. Um, Neil Maxwell, oh, he, Neil Maxwell was who asked whether it's uh, gulps of water before I answer the mailbag questions or beer. Yep, just water for this guy. And you can tell it works so hard, so well because of all the coughing I do. Um, all right. There's one more question that I uh, that I really want that I want to close with. Uh, David Bradford, and this wasn't for a mailbag, but he said this in response to uh, a tweet that I made. He said, "Have you ever been more excited about a Chiefs player than Mahomes?" And this is a fun one to close with. Obviously, the the short answer is no. I have been real excited about Chiefs players before, obviously, um, but when you combine the way he came to the Chiefs, you know, obviously being a, a top 10 pick that they traded up to grab the position he plays, quarterback, with the fact that I loved him as a prospect. Um, and I mean, everyone remembers that, hopefully. I mean, that's I wrote a couple articles about what I said. I hope the Chiefs trade up and draft Patrick Mahomes. That's what I would do. Then they did it. So obviously that lends itself to excitement already. And with everything that I've seen, he continues to have this too good to be true kind of aura about him. And so I just uh he seems like he is legit. When you consider the the struggles that Chiefs had at quarterback for years, then Alex Smith brought uh a sense of credibility to the position and this is this is their shot to have that quarterback that makes fans from other teams jealous. I am just excited about this. I think he could be great. And this is the position, if you want greatness at, at, on your team, quarterback's the place. And so I, I have never been this excited about a player, ever. Uh, I, I think his, his ceiling is so high, and I think his floor is pretty high as well. And that's where I think I differ in the analysis from maybe some of the national talking heads and stuff, and that's what the Beyond the Arm series is about. I have never, ever, ever, except for maybe Eric Berry, been more sure that a player would at least be good to very good. Like, I've never been more sure about it. Now, we'll see what happens. Maybe he'll start the first couple games and just struggle out of the gate, and we'll all be like, whoa, we need to recalibrate our expectations. But I have never been this excited, and I've never been this sure. So we'll see what happens with it. I'm excited. All right, we're almost 42 minutes into this, and part of that was me yammering about stuff that has to do with my 
you know, career and that kind of stuff. If you are interested in the athletic, and I would love for you guys to take this journey with me, I understand, you know, paying for sports content is a rare thing. If that's something you'll never do, great. But what I would tell you, there's a week free trial if you sign on. Check it out. Because I don't think you'll be sorry. I have not had one person who checked it out and said, oh, no, this isn't worth it to me. It's not, it's not a lot of money. It comes out to about $3.50 a month for that first year. And then after that, it's like $4.50 a month or $4, something like that. Um, you know, Some people were saying $7.99. That's only if you subscribe month by month. If you do the yearly subscription thing, it's much cheaper. So I'm just telling you, I will work tirelessly to try to make sure I provide the type of content that you guys enjoy that you guys are willing to pay to read because I understand that's a unique model. But I will say I just the overwhelming support that I've gotten from so many of you already has just meant so much to me. Um, I, I genuinely like, like seriously, I wish I had words. I wish I knew what to say. The fact that so many of you have emailed me or tweeted me or DM'd me or whatever saying, hey, I've never paid for a subscription before, but I'm doing it now. That means so much to me, and I really appreciate you guys taking this journey. And on a final note, and I said this uh, in my farewell article at Arrowhead Pride, if you're someone who's thinking about you know, doing a Chiefs podcast or writing about the Chiefs or whatever, and you're just like, oh, I don't even know how to get started, I want you to just remember something. About huh, eight or nine years ago, I joined Arrowhead Pride and just wrote a little fan post on, on why we care about football. And I never intended it for anything to, to be anything more than a place for me to talk cheese with people. And now years later, I'm writing for The Athletic. And I, I get the chance to talk to some players. I get a chance to be considered part of the media. I'm telling you, just, just shoot your shot, man. Like, just, just take a chance. DM me and ask me for advice. I'll give you what little advice I have because a lot of it's just been luck. But... You know, take a shot. This is this is great stuff, and we need more people covering the Chiefs because every single thing that I learn about the Chiefs makes me enjoy football that much more. Anyway, I appreciate you guys listening. I always love talking Chiefs with you guys. This has been the Chief of the North podcast, the land of 10,000 takes. I will be talking to you guys again soon. Thank you for listening.